welcome to your dog cast where we feature news just for dog lovers here's your rover reporter mary lou davidson and just like that it's summertime and that means more time outside backyard barbecues and hopefully you're finally getting together with your friends and family but we're also heading into what can be a really dangerous time for our dogs It's the 4th of July. So we wanted to talk with someone who knows about the dangers of this holiday and can bring some ideas and tips to help you keep your pups safe. Dr. Jim Dobies is the ideal candidate to help us break it all down. He's the founder of Urgent Vet, a facility that offers a bridge between your local ER and your own veterinarian. Hi, Dr. Dobies. Hey, how are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for bringing your expertise to the show. As we look at the top five hazards of the 4th of July, we're going to start from the bottom up. And then so that'll be talking about traveling with your pet and what we can do to ensure it's a really good trip. Yeah, traveling is is one of my favorite topics because some dogs and cats do it really well and some do it really poorly. (laughs) So the ones that do it really well, I I think the best way to to approach it is, you know, first of all, make sure that your pet is up to date on wellness care, vaccinations, heartworm prevention, flea control, those sorts of things. Um, Make sure that uh, if you have to have a health certificate for some reason, that you get that in advance. Um, Most places don't require it but it's difficult to get those things done in the same day if you do need one. So if you're flying, it's best to check with your vet at least a couple of weeks before you leave to make sure that you have um, the right documents that you'll need for the trip. Uh, And then if you're traveling by car, I'm more and more now recommending either um, crating your pet or getting a harness that has a seatbelt. Uh, and that way, you know that in the event of an accident, they're not going to be flying around the interior of the vehicle. They're going to be safe. You're going to be safe. And everybody hopefully will come through the accident okay. Um, but if you follow those rules with a, with a good traveler, 99.9% of the time, it's going to be smooth sailing. Um, right. The ones that don't travel well, <laughs> I recommend talking to your vet about that as well. Um, there's some fantastic um, medications and herbal supplements out there now that can help them to relax and travel better. Um, and then, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to travel with them and you need to look at other options like boarding or pet sitting in the home so that you can go away and have a good time and relax and they can relax as well. Gotcha. So um, back at the ranch, let's just say you're going to stay home and host a party. What could possibly go wrong with your well-meaning guests who just want to offer your dog a little bite to eat? Oh, yeah. There's so many things to consider there. Uh, the, The first one, of course, is is the food toxic to dogs? You know, is it chocolate? Uh, is it coffee? Um, is it macadamia nuts? You know, there's all kinds of hazards that you can look up that, that, you know, are not intended to be fed to dogs. 
And then there's rich foods, foods that they wouldn't normally eat that either upset their stomach because they're too fatty for them or upsets their stomach because they're new. Uh, there's foods uh, during um, 4th of July holiday that uh, have bones in them that can be swallowed whole. Uh, my parents have a golden retriever who once swallowed a whole corn on the cob. Um, he did not have to go to the vet, but it was not a pleasant, uh, <laughs> afternoon in the backyard, let's say. <laughs> so it, what I prefer to do during those kinds of gatherings is to the best of your ability, keep your pets out of the areas where, um, your friends and family are going to be consuming food. Uh, it, it can be easier said than done, of course. Uh, and everybody makes a decision based on what's best for their family and their lifestyle. Um, but if you've got, you know, more folks than you can manage and monitor, it's probably best to just while the family is eating, uh, give someone a chew bone and set them in the bedroom and then let them back out again once we're doing dishes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of my friends are dog lovers, so they know better. But I have thought about, um, you know, putting a little sign on the door that says, welcome, don't feed the dog. <laughs> you know, just don't do it because dogs uh, even even if someone doesn't hand something to them, if you leave a paper plate with a chicken breast on a low table, it's goodbye to that. So, yeah, absolutely. And years ago, I had a client whose dog, um, this was a purebred terrier, had horrible food allergies. And she warned her in-laws when they came do not feed the dog anything because she's on a special diet. And if she gets anything else, it will cause her health problems. Well, they ended up doing it anyhow. And she had to bring the dog in, you know, not only was the dog uncomfortable, but she also had to spend quite a bit of money to get the problem resolved. And she jokingly said she was going to send the invoice to her in-laws. I don't know if she ever did that, but well, I hope she have, did. I hope she did. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a good lesson for them to learn. Yeah, I don't think it would have bode well for the next holiday that get together. But anyway, um, so with all this time being outside with your friends and family and dogs, particularly in the south and other areas areas that are seeing these incredibly high temperatures, we have to be really careful of heat stroke. So how do we know, how do we monitor, what are the signs? Yeah, the first important lesson that we learn in vet school is that um, not all mammals handle heat the same way, right? As, as humans, we sweat and when the sweat evaporates, it cools our bodies. So as long as we stay hydrated, and it's hot outside, we should be able to stay cool as long as we don't overexert ourselves too much, right? Uh, the difference with dogs and cats to a certain extent, but mostly dogs, is they don't sweat. So they radiate heat from their paw pads and from their ears and from their tongues. And so they'll start to pant. And you might notice this as dogs get hot, they pant and their tongue swells because the increased surface area allows for more heat exchange. And so the problem is, as they get hotter and hotter, the swelling can become worse and worse and can actually restrict their airway. And when their airway becomes restricted, that starts a cascade of other issues and their body temperatures begin to rise. 
So if a dog gets above a temperature of 105 degrees, um, bad things start to happen. And if they stay above 105 for an extended period of time, that's when we get into heat stroke. Okay. Just offhand, you know, the little handheld thermometers that everybody has now, will yeah. those work on dogs? Some of them work better than others. Um, unfortunately, we're still in the dark ages in the vet profession and the rectal thermometer is still the standard. Um, there are some pretty accurate ear thermometers that you can use. Um, but I would tell you that the moment you start to see your dog pant uncontrollably outdoors, it's time to take a rest. It's time to find some shade. It's time to find some cool water. It's time to stop activity. And then after five or 10 minutes, if that uncontrolled panting isn't slowing down, go, go seek a med medical care, go, go to a veterinarian and have them checked because it, it, it's not enough for us to just rest our hands on their coat. We can't tell just by touch. I can't tell just by touch exactly what the temperature is. And, and so it's best to be careful in those types of situations. Right. Uh, so, um, would you suggest if there's a pool nearby, taking the dog into the pool to cool him down or no? As long as it's not freezing cold. Yes. Uh, yeah. The biggest thing is you don't want to bring the temperature down too fast. Okay. So the first thing why I would do it at, at home would be get some water and wet their paws and wet their ears and then offer them some water to drink. And it doesn't have to be ice cold. Um, room temperature or a little cooler is just fine. Um, that will start the process of cooling down. And as long as then you're in the shade, and then if maybe you can also add a fan where you can get some air moving, those things will all be helpful as well. Um, you really wouldn't be in a position to do an ice bath and you wouldn't want to do that anyhow, because that can drop the temperature too quickly and put them into shock. Right on. Speaking of climate, uh, another big problem for dogs around this time of year is those uh, deafening thunder cracks, thunder boomers, lightning. They get petrified. They can tremble, um, shake and so on. How can we help that? I have a dog, my wife and I, uh, named Jilly Boo, who, who reacts precisely the same way. And fireworks set her off, thunderstorms set her off. Um, around New Year's, if somebody's, you know, firing a, a gun in the air, that, that sets her off. Any of those loud noises, she starts trembling. So the first thing that we try to do is um, to get her to a comfortable place in the house, whether that's her bed or sometimes our bed or, you know, a, a quiet area like a closet, somewhere that's nice and quiet where you can turn down the lights and turn on some soft music to try to set the tone a little bit. Um, and then, uh, there are a couple of really good products over the counter that pet owners can use for these situations. Um, one is, uh, dog appeasing pheromone or DAP, D-A-P. Um, it's a calming pheromone that is, um, emitted by mother dogs when they're nursing their puppies. And so by itself, it's certainly not a sedative, but it can have a calming effect. Um, you can get that in a spray bottle. You can also get it in little diffusers that go into your electrical outlets. Right. So you can do that. You can also get a thunder shirt. Have you heard of thunder shirts? I have. Uh, it's like a hug for your dog. 
And again, by itself, it's not going to do a lot, but it's an additive effect. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the third thing is um, there are some really nice lavender and uh, chamomile supplements uh, that you can get over the counter uh, herbal supplements that are just calming and, and, and will help to improve mood. But again, they're not medications. So those are the three things that I would try first before you escalate to go into your vet. And with those supplements, do they need to be like, do they need to build up or can you like an hour before, you know, that storm is coming? Can you give that? Yeah. I mean, during the storm season, you might even want to make a habit of giving it every afternoon. It, it's not going to, it's not habit forming. It's not going to cause any problems. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you can give it on an as needed basis. Um, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you're using multiple solutions to just try to improve the situation. Right. And if those multiple solutions aren't effective, your veterinarian has several different kinds of medications that they can prescribe that are very effective. There's three main categories. There's tranquilizers. Uh, there's a, in, in that category, there's a medication called ACE promazine. It's very common to prescribe that medication and it works great to make them drowsy. It doesn't do much about the anxiety. So if they have anxiety and they're sleepy, they're still anxious. So then we have anxiolytics, which are medications like uh, Valium that can be given not every day, but on an as needed basis to try to calm them down. And the final type of medication that I really like that I use on Jilly Boo is called Cilio, S-I-L-E-O. And it's a transmucosal gel that you actually just squirt into their mouth and in high doses, it's used as an anesthetic and a pain reliever, but at small doses, it's great for anxiety. And once Jilly Boo has a dose of that, she usually lays down and falls asleep. And then when the storm's over, she gets up and she's fine. So that comes in a syringe as a- Yeah, it's a preloaded um, oral syringe that's about that long. And it has a cute little dial on the plunger that allows you to dose it properly. And then you just squirt it right into their mouth and they don't have to swallow it. It's, it's absorbed through their gums. So you want to get it between their cheek and their teeth. And yeah. You slide it right back in the cheek. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Well, you've been a wealth of information. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you. I, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be a resource whenever I can be. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jim. We hope you and all of your furry friends have a happy and safe 4th of July. And of course, to all of our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Urgent Vet, you can visit them online at urgentvet.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.